Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff I Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. And today we are so, 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 so happy to be joined by the amazing, much missed, fabulous yes. <laughs> Bridget Todd. <laughs> thank you for joining us, Bridget. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been too long. Also, I always say this, y'all give me the, your intros always give me like warm fuzzies inside. Always such a pleasant <laughs> intro. <laughs> I, I do think about it. I'm like, how can I like give Bridget <laughs> enough weight so people yes. understand how amazing she is? Like, yeah, the because, yes. They don't understand the pre-conversations we have that is literally just catching up with you. Like, no, really, we miss you. Where have you been? <laughs> oh, the feeling is so mutual. <laughs> We're like the neediest, like, Bridget, Bridget. Hey, yeah, uh, I, I, it gets a little stalkerish. It's fine. It's fine. No, it's, fine. it's all I'm good. Fine. It's all good. I did want to ask, because it has been a minute, uh, how have you been? And also, how was your uh, weirdo Christmas? Oh, yes. Thank mm-hmm. you for asking. So I have been good. Uh, weirdo Christmas was actually a success. Yes. So we were in West Virginia, which is typically where we like to go on the, um, is it the Potomac River or the Shenandoah River? One of, one of the, the rivers out on the Mid-Atlantic. Um, it was beautiful, but very cold. Uh, we started a new tradition where we have like an outdoor evening, even though it's like 20 degrees outside around the fire. So I had to wear like long johns and like multiple pairs of pants and then fur outerwear, like fake fur, but like a, a fake fur hat, a fake fur vest. Um, so that was really fun. Yeah, it was great. Lots of shenanigans and weirdness and all of that. And then I got to have probably the most involved non-weirdo Christmas of my adult life. Because my family, we don't really do Christmas. And so for the first time, the entire Todd family gathered together in the same place to actually have a Christmas. And it was lovely. So the holidays were great. How about you two? What did did we end up doing? Well, uh, it snowed. That was one thing. In Georgia? Yeah, <laughs> I did. Well, it was snowed lightly it was very in dusting. some places, but we did have freezing weather. So it went down to 10 degrees in a lot of places with high windshield factors. And for the South, we never are prepared for anything below <laughs> like 35. How dare you? Um, but yes, it, it was especially cold. It, it was. Yeah, you were more in the mountains, Annie, right? So you got yeah. some snow. I went to visit my family and they live in the mountains and... Uh, I don't know if you know this about me, Bridget, but I hate driving. I don't drive anywhere. <laughs> I didn't um, know that about you. <laughs> so it snowed and I was like, it's time, Annie. <laughs> You've got to get out there. But it was, yeah, it was good. It was fun. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if this has been your experience, uh, but I feel like since the pandemic, I'm a very big tradition person because it marks the passing of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like even though I'm doing these tradition things, it doesn't have the same weight of like, oh, it's a new year or, or right. whatever it is. 
Uh, so that was kind of my, this year, I was like, oh, I guess, oh yeah, Christmas happened. <laughs> now I <laughs> go back to work. I don't know. It was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think in general, we've talked about how little we like Christmas. Uh, but uh, for me, it's, and I think I talked about this last year because now it's become the partner and what happens when you are in a relationship and how you have to divide the time, especially when our families are in two different places. So mine are in the mountains of Georgia. His are spread through like Florida and South Carolina. So we have to like kind of compromise and see how to divide the time. And for this year, we went down to Florida to see his family. It was lovely. But yeah, we also have become new homeowners. And because of that freeze, again, Atlanta, Georgia, we're not prepared. So there were many conversations about pipes bursting and things had going wrong because it froze and all these things. So we had a panic moment of getting like friends and neighbors to go check and make sure we didn't have a flood or whatever. So it was a new level of worry on top of being with family. But it was enjoyable. Don't get me wrong. Like, his family's really great. But yeah, it's just been like, it's new, new for me, like trying these new, I guess we're do- starting new traditions, except probably, hopefully not like the homeowner stuff, but the, just try to com- <laughs> like combine that. And it's an interesting conversation about relationships, compromise, and communicating. So that's what my Christmas was. <laughs> yeah, I hope this is not like the annual frozen pipes tradition. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't need that. We don't want that. I can't I afford say, that. Don't do that to me. Samantha gave me this list of holiday movies to watch this year. Ooh, my night talk about language. I think you would appreciate it, Bridget. It would be right up your alley. I feel like you would have liked those, actually. (laughs) What's on the list? Because it was like the rom-coms of the holiday, and it's the love-hate that people have of the, of rom-coms. And a lot of them were like New Year's movies as well because yes. Bridget Jones' Diary was in that list. And that's typically more of a New Year's thing. Um, and I believe While You Were Sleeping, which is also on my list, is also a New Year's thing. So yeah, I gave her a list and uh, yeah. it, it, it took her out of her comfort zone. But I did oh, think about you and thought though. Bridget would really would appreciate <laughs> my list. one of the annual traditions of Weirdo Christmas is that you get messed up and watch really terrible Christmas movies, like some Hallmark movies, you know, the cheesier, Mm -hmm. the better. It's kind of like a hate (laughs) watch. You're watching to make fun of slash talk over, but some of them will really get you in the end. You're like, actually, this is like a legitimately, I'm invested now. Like, (laughs) we're in the true meaning of Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Love it. I love it. Uh, I do have a question for you that I swear leads into what we're talking about today, which I'm very excited to talk about. Oh, good. Oh, good. Okay, yes. Uh, Do you have like a favorite article of clothing? Do you have like a thing that you just buy way too many things of? Oh, my God. I do. I do. So many. This is part of the reason why I wanted to do this episode is a little bit of like, I don't know, like checking myself a little bit. Um, One of them, this is going to sound strange, is leather, any kind of leather or like pleather pant. I love a faux leather legging and it can be hard to get the right one. You know, you're buying them online and so you're like, I'm going to buy three and I'll I'll return the two that don't fit. You say that and then you never do. Uh, So one is definitely any kind of leather pant, leather short, leather legging. I'm always looking for the perfect pair. I have so many. It's it's shameful and embarrassing. Another is running shoes. Ever since I, I broke my ankle, I think two years ago now, and before breaking my ankle, I could, I could like, run four miles in a pair of ballet flats and not give it a thought. Now, if I tie my shoes wrong, it is a problem. And so, you know, good supportive running shoes, for whatever reason, I'm, I've really, like, gotten into that. H- how, about, how about you all? Like, what is your thing where you have way too many of them? It's like your, it's like your thing. Mm, well, I mean, it's probably cosplay, but... <laughs> oh, you don't say... <laughs> During the pandemic, I would say sweatpants. Like, mm. I've, I've become a real, like, oh, those look like really cute, comfortable sweatpants. Um, that's been my biggest thing. But jackets before, I love jackets. My mom makes fun of me every year. She's like, you don't need another jacket. I'm like, but look at that one, though. <laughs> well, the jacket can, like, make an outfit. Right. Yes. It really can. Yes. It really and it, can. it's like, it could change, like, everything. Yeah. Mm. Jackets, go from- that's my number one. 
casual to fancy and then like mm-hmm. heartbeat. Yeah, well, I feel like I've talked about mine many times and many people make fun of me because I am a cardigan sweater girl and Yay. I have been since early 2000s. You can't break that from me. You can't <laughs> take that from me. And uh, I look like a grandma at all times. Every I just love the comfort of the coziness. I use it as a jacket. Literally, I rarely wear jackets because I have cardigans, no matter how thick. I found a poncho that I love that was even better. I was like, oh, yeah, here we go. Uh, but that is that has been a thing. I feel like that's kind of synonymous with who I am, <laughs> is my grandma sweaters, and I will die before you could take it out of my hands. I mean, the lick. classics are a classic for a reason, you know? <laughs> the cardigan, they got it right the first time. Every time. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, so I have never heard of this that you're you're you brought to us today, Bridget. So uh, it's de-influencing. That's right, de-influencing. Yes. And I guess it's it's a it's it's exactly like what it sounds like. I'll, I'll give you a, a good definition of it later in the episode. But you know, so, spoiler alert: it's like exactly what it sounds like. Um, <laughs> if you know what influencing is, it's sort of doing that in reverse. And so, a good sort of counter question to the the really good question that you started with is. Do you have stuff that you saw online and you're like, oh, that'll be cute. And then you are like, I need that. And then you buy it. And when it arrives, you're just sort of like, wow, I didn't really need this. Now it just sits in my apartment. I'm underwhelmed. Why did I buy this? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I get ideas stuck in my head where I'll see something and I'll be like, I don't need that. And then like three days later, I'm still thinking about it, even if I don't want to. It just is like, it lodges in my brain. Um, And so during the pandemic, I have, Instagram has gotten me a couple times where I think before the pandemic, I was pretty good about like, no, I don't need that. But during the pandemic, I think it's like a stress outlet almost. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, maybe this will make me feel better. Uh, and it has been like sweatpants and bras and underwear, like comfort, oh, comfort yeah. clothes. And then I'm also a huge fan of things, as uh, we were talking about before this. I'm a huge fan of like Star Wars and Last of Us. So anything like that can get me pretty good. Yeah. And it's kind of annoying. Yeah. <laughs> There's so much Star Wars stuff like that out there where yes. it's like, you need this Star Wars hoodie or like, or you know, it's like so much stuff. <laughs> Yeah. Right. I mean, you need a figurine, obviously. For one of the purchases I made was for my partner, and I got them a light up. What are those robots? At ats? Gonk? Oh. No, at ats, right? <laughs> yes, like the, the ones yeah. that at ats. Uh, whatever. I call them at ad, apparently. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's okay. This is how little I know, okay? No, don't come for me. Uh, well, this is a different podcast, but that is a. You're, you're, in, the, you're in the clear. You're in the clear. <laughs> okay. But like, I bought that for them because I saw it online as like, I think I had been searching for gifts for Annie and that popped up and I knew my partner would really like it. So I it, it ended up being good. But I did make another purchase where it was like, uh, I was, I'd have this thing. This is, I guess, just a lo- another love letter to Annie because we do this thing where we hang out often. And then I'm like, I have to buy a thing for my partner, Annie, and myself. Like, I don't know why it's always that. And it has to be, com- like, it's not the best BFF necklaces, but it's matching for sure. We, we could match probably oh. a week at, like, a week at a time. Like, we could match. But one of the was those, like, because we were watching stupid. Uh, Game of Thrones, I think, or it was just about to end, or something along those lines. And they had these really cool, supposedly uh, lighters that will never die. And it had really cool engravings. And you're supposed to, yeah, that does not work. <laughs> it it has, I think it lights up, it lit up one time and never again. Oh, I hate how they get, it's like I low know. key a scam. I hate how they get oh, you. It is. It is. <laughs> I will say at least I received it, but it took like months for me to get it. Not a good sign. Not a good good sign. (laughs) So I have this exact same problem. I have so many products that I bought recently, literally only because I saw them on social media that I really don't need. My big one that that came recently is the Stanley water bottle, which I had been seeing on TikTok everywhere. It's this like massive metal water bottle with a straw. So I was like, oh, I want to drink more water. One of my New Year's resolutions, more water. When I tell you this thing was $40 and it, I, I don't know, I can't speak for all Stanley water bottles, like not to besmirch the good name of Stanley, but it leaks. <laughs> so it's like $40 oh, no. for a leaky water bottle. Like, why did I buy it? It's also very heavy when it's full. It just doesn't suit my needs. There's, right. not a, there's not a need in my day-to-day that this water bottle that was pretty expensive as water bottles go actually fit. Another one was these... um 
weights that you can strap to your ankles and your wrists. And they're fine that they are indeed weights. But I use them maybe twice. And I think I bought them when I was feeling very aspirational. Like, I I bought them for a version of myself that I patently am not, if that makes sense. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. I will say uh, for my partners, if I had to guess for them, it is water bottles and coffee mugs. And I'm like, why? Stop it. And we have so many. I'm like, you don't need this many. There's no reason. You're not going to drink this many coffees in a day that you need 16 different. And we have a whole like shelf of it. And I'm like, please, if you do it again, I'm going to punch you in the throat. (laughs) And they take up a lot of room. Like like, things, items like that is like they store awkwardly. And so if you don't have, you don't have a huge place and a lot of storage space, it's like it really, it adds up. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. And so kind of like, Annie, what you were saying earlier about the pandemic, you know, I have a theory that especially during times that are like turbulent or uncertain, the pandemic would definitely fit into this. Um, Many of us, myself very, very much included, really turn to online shopping for a quick serotonin boost or a quick, you know, this is going to feel good. Or like, I I got into this habit of enjoying the feeling of kind of giving myself Christmas every day. Like, oh, there's going to be, when I come home, there's going to be a present waiting for me, you know, from past me. And so this is not just my theory. I do have a little bit of research to back it up. People really leaned into online shopping during the pandemic. According to the most recent 2020 annual retail trade survey release uh, from the census, e-commerce sales increased by $244.2 billion or 43% in 2020, um, the first year of the pandemic, rising from $571.2 billion in 2019 to $815.4 billion in 2020. Uh, And people, again, myself, very shamefully included, uh, really relied on online retailers specifically, like Amazon. Unsurprisingly, Amazon stock hit a new all-time high during 2020, and it's only now, like pretty recently, starting to fall from that huge boost during the beginning of the pandemic. And a quick disclaimer here that, like, I just feel the need to say that obviously, you know, we're going to be talking about our online shopping habits, but There are a whole bunch of folks who rely on online shopping for very legitimate, real reasons. 
folks with disabilities or chronic illnesses, you know, for them, online shopping can be a lifeline. Uh, Being a swamped parent or a caregiver who can't always, you know, pop out to the store for one thing, it's also a reason why somebody might really, really lean on online shopping. I don't want to make it seem like anybody who is pressing buy online is just leaning into bad habits that they should question. Um, So I'm not talking about those folks. I'm really talking about the quick purchase of things that you really don't need or maybe even really don't want because an algorithm on social media told you to do so. And I want to talk about why the tide is maybe sort of turning on this a little bit. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it has been, I have a friend who loves Target not a sponsor, but she loves, like, the Target <laughs> app. And, like, she will text me as if, like, yeah, Christmas has come early. The Target <laughs> app has updated. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this wasn't a thing during the pandemic. And, and we've talked about it because it is clearly, like, a emotional. It's something she does when she's stressed. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I feel that during the pandemic, I have seen that a lot more where people are like, I need something that will make me feel better for a little bit. I also, this is a great point that you brought out because I did, I hate it when people are like judging folks for, I don't know, getting groceries delivered or whatever. And there's a lot of impact of that. But for some people, that's not like laziness. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, we definitely relied on it during the pandemic as something that uh, when we didn't want to go out, we didn't want to spread things, we were very concerned, people who were uh, immune compromised. And it was a resource that was necessary that really did help try to maintain the spread. And that was the first time you really understood why this could be beneficial. But yeah, that definitely can be abused. And I know this is a whole different thing. And there's that whole conversation of like people with disabilities have to rely on things like this. And it's a service that that should have been happening previously. Absolutely. We absolutely should not be like judging or shaming people for whom they really rely on this for a lifeline. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's so important that the people who are, you know, doing the grocery delivery, who are the, you know, workers and the staff, they should be treated well, they should be compensated well, they should have protections, like, and people with disabilities should not have to rely on, like, private, some pretty exploitative, like, grocery Mm -hmm. delivery apps. Like, we, like, everybody deserves better, and we shouldn't be judging anybody who is just trying to, like, live their life. Um, But I do think that we are in a place where uh, people who, again, myself included, maybe got into some bad online shopping habits without really hitting pause and really thinking about whether those habits, you know, maybe got us through a tough time emotionally during 2020, but maybe aren't really serving us so well or our wallets so well, if you're me, Mm -hmm. (laughs) here in 2023. Right, right. It's kind of interesting because I I think we've talked about this before. I'm a big fan of TikTok. I can get lost in it for hours and hours at a time. I get... So many things. And like, yeah, it starts to read me and I'm like, okay, stop that. Why are you sending me an ad about this? And it's not necessarily an ad, but it's someone that I trust or I say trust uh, in quotes because it's someone that I like and follow and they seem... (laughs) like good people, you never know. Uh, And then they're like, oh yeah, uh, these are my five Amazon finds and these are my five Costco finds. And I'm like, yes, you are correct. I need those things. Did I know that it existed? No, but I absolutely (laughs) need those things. And it's getting to me more and more. (laughs) The five Amazon stuff always gets me. And I have this thing with like, there are so many creators on TikTok, which I'm also addicted to. uh, So I feel you on that, Sam. But like, TikTokers who are all about, you know, like, oh, here's like, here's what my really organized desk or workspace looks like. Like, I clearly have some kind of emotional hang up around the way that work gets done in my life. And so I subsequently follow a lot of creators for whom that's their niche. And so they're like, here's what my notion looks like. Here's what my dot journaling looks like. Here's what my laptop or workstation looks like. And that I clearly have some kind of a like hang up about that internally. And so I watch a lot of that. And so whenever they're like my, you know, go to my Amazon storefront, my five, you know, the five things that really help me stay productive. I know that I'm kind of vulnerable and primed to just click buy without even thinking about it because it speaks to some sort of internal like issue I have where I'm like, Mm -hmm. I must think that, oh, the way that 
work gets done in my life is not up to par with the way that work gets done in the lives of other creative people or something. And so it's really, I think part of it really is like knowing your triggers and knowing knowing the, the vulnerabilities that you have that we're so likely to try to fill by hitting buy now or by right. buying a thing that we really ultimately might not even need. And so, <laughs> you know, the, if I had to give this this conversation like a so what, it's that we should really be in a headspace of asking some questions when it feels like the algorithm or the app or the platform is the one in control and we are passive. I think that what is really mm-hmm. important is if we switch that dynamic so that we, the human, the person who makes the money and makes the decisions about how the money gets spent, is the one in control and that we are not, you know, at the behest of algorithms and influencers who we don't even know and, you know, apps and platforms. And so in service of that, I think it kind of makes sense to kind of talk about how we got here, like a little bit of a look back on influencing and and how we got to this point where maybe people are kind of starting to ask a few questions about the role that social media influencing has on our life. So if I had to ask you, what do you think used to be the main app on social media where a lot of influencing was taking place? What would you say? Instagram. 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 It's absolutely Instagram. You know, back in the golden era of Instagram, it looked good. It had a good layout. It was easy to use. It was understandable. It was, it was, it was a different time, right? And so I, I think like one, it felt back then, this was, I'm gonna say like. This is like 2014 is when I would kind of situate this. So it felt kind of clear how one would get engagement. So if you were on the, if you were an influencer, if you were on the influencer side of things, you probably had a pretty clear sense of like what the algorithm was going to reward. It rewarded images of faces, for instance. And so the rules seemed pretty doable, you know, post every day, post natively from the Instagram app, as opposed to adding a picture later. Like it was pretty clear, like what you needed to do to, to, do well on Instagram, algorithmically speaking. I think that us as the audience who was consuming the content that influencers made on Instagram, we also had a pretty good sense of what to expect. You know, you were going to get conventionally attractive women who were giving you like life envy and making it seem like, oh, well, if you bought this specific item, your life could be like mine, right? And like, obviously, this is like a curated, manufactured lie that could absolutely be harmful to people who were consuming it, um, as research is like very clear. Uh, But I would argue that there was something familiar to it, right? Like we understood what to expect as an audience who was consuming the content of influencers. But now here in 2023, there are two big things that are happening that I believe have really shifted this golden Instagram age and thus shifted how folks are maybe feeling about influencers. The first is that the social media landscape is really, really changing and really seeing some seismic shifts. We've seen this play out in a couple ways. One, people just are not using Instagram like they were in the golden era of like 2014, you know? A new report in The Atlantic that came out last month called Everyone is Over Instagram said that Instagram is slowly and steadily losing its relevance specifically with young users. And like, that's the user base that any social media platform really needs to court. Like young people, you want young people to really be using your platform for to feel like really relevant. Right, right. And it's funny because I I am not on TikTok, uh, but I've noticed that Instagram is just like videos now. <laughs> it's like TikTok, <laughs> um, which is a different thing. It's a different thing. Um, but it is interesting to me. I love, I'm fascinated by kind of these like shifts. Why do people like, like, why are people into TikTok over like Instagram? Why, why is that happening? Um, but yeah, I mean, why, why is it? that Instagram has lost favor? Why is it fading? That's a great question. I would say one is just that like, when the rules become less transparent or just less doable, I think people find it less kind of worth it to post there, right? And so I think that if the rules felt clear in 2014, today it seems like every month Instagram announces a new thing they're going to be prioritizing. It used to be static images, then it's going to be video. You know, it used to be like, if you posted once a day, that was enough. Then Instagram put out guidance for creators that was like, oh, you need to be making four reels a day. That's a lot of content. It's just not possible. (laughs) And so if Instagram decides we're going to algorithmically reward people who follow this like difficult, 
to follow and also difficult to understand and constantly changing set of guidelines. And if you don't follow those, we're not going to show your post to anybody, even your friends, even the people who want to see your posts. It just eventually starts to feel like, well, what's the point, right? Like, that's one of the reasons why, personally, like, I've used Instagram less. It's because whatever the guidance is they give to creators to try to get more engagement on the platform, it's just too much, right? Like, I have, I work, I don't, it's like, Instagram is not my job. For some people, it is their job, and so I can understand, you know, playing the game a little bit more, but it's just not what I do. I have to do other things in my life. And so if then I'm going to be kind of, I use this word very lightly, but like punished algorithmically by having my content not shown to people, even people who I know, even people who are my friends who I know want to see that content, what is the point? Like why why jump through those hoops if that's how you're gonna gonna be treated on a platform, you know? Right. You know, and I was thinking as with Instagram, when we were talking about, yes, there's all these reels and younger people are getting frustrated. They also changed the algorithm. I know there was like a whole year-long campaign of people just asking, can you see this post? Um, and even for our post at Stuff Mom Never Told You, we are verified. We have over 30,000 followers. We rarely get more than four or five likes because we don't post but every other day. And like when you look up, how do you get, you know, followers or views? It's literally like you said, the post four things, but now it's adding post this, put it on the reel, put it on the uh, like the videos, and you have to do all three of those things. So you're literally taking four posts times three to put it on the same site. And it doesn't sound like it's worth it anymore. And then the suppression alone with the algorithm, why? Just why? Exactly. And you have to basically be a one-person, like, studio, right? Because, like, mm-hmm. you have to make the post, turn it into a reel, comment on... It's like, you have a job, dude. Like, you're a podcaster. It's like, your job is not doing Instagram. And I've actually worked with, like, um, social media managers, like, professional social media managers to help grow my account. And... I, you know, I this was a few years ago, so I can't speak to whether or not this is good advice now. So don't try this thinking this is this is how you grow <laughs> Instagram now because I really don't know. But something that she did is like, oh yeah, I just spend a good amount of time commenting on content of accounts that are similar to you in what they post. And so, you know, she would spend like two hours a day just being like, great post, yeah, love this. And I, like, who has time for that, right? Like, I was doing a little experiment to see if it would help, and it actually did help grow my account. But, like, am I going to sit there and do that? Absolutely not, right? Like, and so I can see why people are just like, yeah, not going to do that, don't need that. And I think, Annie, I think that you mentioned that um, when you go to Instagram now, what you kind of see is a lot of reels that are really TikToks that you saw on TikTok, if you have that platform, you know, a week ago. And so it kind of, I, I think separately, I think that Instagram is really confused about what role they are trying to play in our <laughs> lives and in our social media diets. I don't think that they know. I think that like one day it'll be images, one day it'll be reels. That's like not clear. And it's so funny because um, someone else who is really impressed about this are the Kardashians. Folks might recall that over the summer, um, Kylie Jenner and Kim Kardashian both posted an image saying, Make Instagram Instagram again. Stop trying to be TikTok. I just want to see cute photos of my friends. And this is really kind of not surprising to me because the Kardashians are so good at being Instagram friendly or the the, the friendly for the version of Instagram that Instagram used to be, right? Like they're all beautiful. They all take beautiful pictures. They're all really good at looking kind of Instagram perfect and polished. TikTok takes it in a, a completely different skill set. You kind of have to be funny or engaging or, you know, you have to have something that's going to make, like, just looking good on TikTok is not enough. Like, you have to bring something else. And no shade to the Kardashians, that is not my skill set either, so I'm not not trying to, like, put them down or anything. And so what's interesting is that after the Kardashians said, like, oh, go back to cute pictures of my friends, the head of Instagram responded over the summer saying that Instagram— they just needed to focus on video and reels to survive and grow as a platform. Um, but then, just last week, he posted that, you know, that was the wrong move. He did a complete about-face, and he said that Instagram, quote, over-focused on video last year. And so now the platform is going back to balancing the amount of photos and videos shown to users. Um, in one example that he gave, he said that Instagram will consider how often a person likes and comments on photos versus videos to determine which content will appear first in their feeds. And so this really tells me that, like, they don't know what they're doing. They're not sure of their strategy. You know, it's not clear to them 
what they're trying to be. And I think it, it's no wonder why people are like, yeah, I'll let y'all figure it out. And while y'all figure it out, I'm going to be on TikTok or, or just be getting rid of social media altogether. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. You know, I think it's kind of funny because I, I think of this analogy. When you think of Instagram, I think of the... Elder millennials, that's me. Don't, don't, I don't want to hear it uh, because I'm in between the uh, Xers and uh, the millennials. I came out the right at the cusp. Uh, but like elder millennials trying to be cool and hip and talk to those Gen Zers who would be the TikTok kids. And oh I my gosh. Like that's what's happening. What we see is like Instagram trying to be really cool and really relevant and just kind of missing the mark because we are no longer at that point in life. And I find it funny because. That's all I can think of, TikTok versus Instagram, trying to become TikTok. And TikTok's like, I don't care about you. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. Nothing is like more, I mean, I love I love this content because I think that like Gen Z, younger folks, I like, I love it when they come for us elder millennials. Um, <laughs> sometimes they'll be like, things that millennials really need to stop doing on Instagram. And they all, I'm always like, yes, drag me. <laughs> like, you know, like, no more boomerangs. You're going to fix us. <laughs> Thank you. And you know, the other part of that, and again, I think this has a lot to do with the generational changes. And again, I love it, is that, yeah, Instagram really gave birth to, like, as we said, influencers and selling us things and th selling us ideas and selling us uh, things that we will never be and try to, but what we try to still attain, which is the Kardashians. You know, they were a really big force uh, in that. But with TikTok, it seems like the younger generations that's, that was really into it was like, we're tired of celebrities. We want a chance to see regular people who have a lot of good ideas and content. And the TikTok is for the people because I know there's been a lot of pushback as celebrities are now jumping on TikTok, but people are like, stop it. This is not for you. Oh my God, I could talk about this for hours. This is something I find so fascinating. So I think because TikTok is a younger platform, they just have a, a completely different relationship with digital life than like the, than millennials have. And so I absolutely agree with you that, especially for younger folks who are spending time on TikTok, and TikTok is the, is the fastest growing social media app out there right now, I think the audience is very different from the curated Instagram audience in that they do want more real stuff. Like they want authenticity, not that like fake, like, oh, my house is so messy authenticity, like right. really authenticity. And they are vocal, like they will call you out. There was a whole thing with, um, I think it was Bethany Frankel going mm -hmm. on TikTok and her transition to TikTok wasn't very smooth. And I think part of it is because like celebrities maybe are used to being able to 
say certain things and get everybody fawning all over them on Instagram or on other social media platforms, and they're not finding that reception on TikTok. Like, TikTok is the app for, like, regular people to talk. It's not for celebrities to, like, hawk their perfect lives. And there's actually an influencer right now, like a big influencer, Michaela Nigeria. I apologize if I'm saying her last name wrong, but um, is in very hot water for trying to do a mascara brand like sponsored content while allegedly wearing false lashes. And so obviously you can't be like, this mascara is so great. Look look at the way it transformed my lashes. Whereas like, I think those are fake lashes. Um, and yeah. so people are calling this person out because that just doesn't fly there, right? And so I think that like, you're exactly right, Sam, that the audience that is big on TikTok is a lot more vocal, a lot more savvy, and they will call you out if they feel like they're being pushed something that's just like a, like a fantasy that's not real. Maybe right. on, on Instagram, you might get away with that, but not on TikTok. Well, I will say the thing about TikTok is there are TikTok sleuths, that that is their intent, and the entire content is like to call out the falsehood of other content. <laughs> it is the rabbit holes I have gone down where I'm like, oh I don't gosh. even know this person. I have never even seen them on TikTok, but apparently they're faking having a scar to get clout. Yes. I need to yes. read a thousand comments and spend six hours of my time on this, despite only having one one life to live on this green earth. <laughs> you know? And I know what you're talking about, and I hate that I know what you're talking about, because I did the damn same thing. I'm like, I'm like, what does this have to do with it? Like, it has nothing to do with me. This isn't even somebody who I follow or I'm invested in, but like, nope. you get, you're like, I, pe- the, the, the evidence that people compile is like, yes. I'm fascinated. If, I, if, if anything ever happens to me, well, I guess I shouldn't say that, but like, the, the way that like, TikTok sleuths are able to like, investigate the nitty gritty of that really doesn't matter. My hats nope. are off to them. <laughs> right. The petty, the petty is real. And if it's all in good fun, I, I, there's definitely seriousness that we definitely talked about before, but the pettiness is real. And when you get invested, you're just like, whoa, whoa. Oh, and you can't help but be the voyeur and you feel a little guilty. I will say that. Um, but you can't put one over on them. And it, it, it continues to baffle me because as as you're talking about, TikTok is one of the younger ones. The uh, way that it has grown it, exponentially, I'm like, is it going to be able to keep up uh, with that demand? Yeah, that's such a great question. I actually, this is a, this is a, a fuego take. So you know, whatever. This is my opinion. I think that we are going to see government legislation of TikTok in 2023. Mm -hmm. This is like my Mm -hmm. big tech prediction. I think that it's growing so much. I think there are national security questions. I guess I'll just put it that way. I think that, you know, there have been, there is like rare bipartisan support for doing something about TikTok. It's already been banned on, I think, federal government devices can't have TikTok on them. A handful of states have banned having TikTok on state-run devices, and that number is growing. Uh, universities are the same. That number is growing of universities that have banned TikTok from state, state-owned devices. I think that we are seeing enough traction in government in a, in a bipartisan way and also civil society and institutions that I do think that, like, something is going to happen or be done to combat TikTok's growth. Because their growth has just been like, if folks want to look it up, like it is wild how many users it is gaining. It's just, it's just like exploding. One of the things that I think about TikTok becoming kind of the new place where people are spending their time online on social media, um, why that might be fueling a kind of backlash against influencing is that it just moves a lot faster than Instagram, which fuels what they call micro trends. And so if a trend is something that it's in style for a little bit of time, a micro trend is something that becomes in style or in vogue very quickly and then burns out just as quickly. Something can be iconic and very popular one month, and by the end of the month, people are talking about it being out of style. A great example is like um, this clothing brand that I really doubled down on and like went for a hard House of Sunny. They make this like very bright colored clothing that really pops on social media. And I was like, oh my God. And I bought like a sweater and a dress and this and that. Maybe a month later, people were like, oh, it already looks so dated. And so if you think about what is sort of in style, how quickly it becomes sort of passe, I think that TikTok becoming a place where people spend more of their digital time online is one of the reasons why trends are kind of flaming out so quickly. And so if you're an influencer, you know, 
that's just a lot. H- having to like, it is exhausting to be in, even just in the audience to be told, you need to buy a new thing over and over and over again. And, and in, in January, it's this water bottle. In February, that water bottle's out. Now it's this water bottle. It's, it's no wonder that people can't really keep up with that because it's too fast. That's so funny. I feel like I'm the like millennial person that comes in like, oh, I finally got this thing. And they're like, that's three years ago. What are you doing? Um, <laughs> <laughs> it does feel like it moves very, very quickly. And actually, an interesting implication of this kind of thing is like, because I also do a, a food podcast, is the thing like the uh, feta pasta, like feta cheese, mm. like couldn't you couldn't find it anywhere. And it was because of TikTok. And then a month later, everyone was like, what are you talking about? But for that one month, nobody could find feta cheese. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I see it with food. It's so interesting when it happens with food because it does correlate with when you go to the grocery yes. store, it's just like not there. Um, I, I've heard that tinned fish is like the new thing right now, which if you were to talk about like our economic climate, the fact that like tinned fish, like oh, just having our tinned fish date night, <laughs> that tells me something. I'm like, oh, people are thinking about our economic climate in some perhaps like less than cheery outlook. Yes, <laughs> which brings us to what we've been talking about is another piece of this is like what, like what I was saying with myself and my friends is this anxiety of this like maybe if I buy this thing I'll feel better like maybe this will make things better and that's not unique right absolutely and so the second thing that we're seeing that's really I think shaping all this is this kind of feeling of like economic unease and uncertainty that is impacting the way that people are responding to influencing I think that a lot of folks are concerned about an economic downturn. We're seeing like layoffs in a lot of sectors like tech and media. I don't, I think people are perhaps wary about spending money on things that they see online and and maybe doing it in a different way than maybe we once were in 2020. And I think that like, more importantly, I think that as we go into times that are uncertain, economically uncertain, economically unstable, people don't really want to open up their phone and see people living the high life, right? Like, it just doesn't feel good to be worried about inflation, worried about food being on the shelves, worried about how you're going to make rent, or if you're going to be laid off, and open your phone and see an influencer trying to sell you that their life is perfect and that your life can be perfect too if you buy this thing that you don't need, don't have money for, and don't even really want. I think that people are just not feeling that vibe anymore. I think there was a time where that had a time and a place and it felt very familiar. I think right now we're not loving it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it just feels kind of like out of touch. And, and you brought up the Kardashians earlier and they're big. Like they've even been in the news recently for like lawsuits, but they were really big about this of like selling you a thing. And it just felt like they weren't kind of reading the room, I guess. <laughs> like Totally. I remember they, um, and I talked about this in an episode of uh, There Are No Girls on the Internet my own podcast around the holidays. I remember, I think it was last year or the year before, they posted their Easter spread. And it was like the most opulent thing, like even for Kardashian standards, the most opulent thing you've ever seen. It was like life-size like life teddy bears, full-size, like five full-size gumball machines with like pink gum in them, four bicycles. It was like the most elaborate and lavish opulent spread even by Kardashian standards that I have seen. And the response was not like, wow, how cool for them. The response was overconsume much. Like, <laughs> and I think that that really shows us that we are in a place where when they posted that, they probably thought everyone was going to love it. But in reality, most people were like, this is a little opulent, seems a little tacky, seems a, lot of, a little out of touch for one holiday. Like, at what point do we start asking questions about the value of overconsumption and and whether or not that's a value that is like inherently good or healthy or like serving us in our lives? Right. And I, I mean, uh, Instagram, that, that was kind of the thing is like you were presenting this really curated version of your life um, and then kind of at least in my case, and I think there's been some studies about this, but like feeling bad because you'd see other people's pictures and you're like, oh, their life is way better than mine. Um, <laughs> but also, and I could be wrong about this, but I feel like a lot of the influencers I saw on Instagram were women. I like a lot of the people who were like, hey, you need to buy this thing. And maybe that's just the algorithm for me, mm-hmm. but it was women. 
it is not just you. Uh, I think this is inherently gendered. The lion's share of influencers are women and girls. According to a study by the influencer marketing agency, Isaiah, in 2021, women accounted for more than 85% of sponsorships made as influencers. But I should know that because this is America, there is also an influencer pay gap. Even though there are more, like, women make up the bulk of influencing, they're still paid less than men for influencing, which is a real head-scratcher. Um, but yeah, I think it's women and girls who are being sold all of this. And they're not just, we're not just being sold products. We are being sold products as a proxy for, like, getting your life together or, like, succeeding at being a, a woman or... or I think that we're being sold on the idea that you can consume your way into the kind of life that you want. And I think that capitalism and consumption as a means of perpetuating gender roles has always been a thing. And I think right now in 2023, I think a lot of women are just exhausted. We have been burdened with so much. We have had our rights just like, it's not a very rosy time to be a, wo- a woman in 2023, right. I guess is what I'm saying. I don't want, I feel like if I go into it, I'll be all here all day. But, right. you know, I think that a lot of women are just like, on top of everything else that we have to shoulder, I don't have the emotional bandwidth to buy into this idea that tells me that I have to buy this product on Instagram to be a more complete woman. You know, I think more women are calling BS on this idea, especially younger women. Right. I will say, so immediately after the new year, the first thing, one of the first, and I think she went super viral, is this girl laying down in bed in TikTok and saying, you don't need this here are the five products you don't need. And then goes down a list of all the trends and said, this is not, you're not going to use this. You're not going to ever see it again. Don't buy it. You're only, like, that was the first video I saw. I was like, oh, what is this? And the next one was the girl who was like, hey, I have bought every single expensive hair product. These are bullshit. And here are the products you should go to. Go to CVS. This is much better. Don't buy those expensive things. And I was like, what is happening? Yeah, so that is a great example of de-influencing, which is all over TikTok right now. So what is de-influencing? Well, basically, again, it's exactly what it sounds like. Rather than trying to convince you to buy something, it's telling you, you don't actually need to buy this. Uh, So creators will be telling you, like, you don't need another water bottle. If you're me, you don't need another notebook that you, you know, are not going to use when you already have, like, 20 on your shelf. Uh, Or telling you how different TikTok or social media famous products are actually not worth the money, not worth it. Um, according to the newsletter Glossy, the hashtag de-influencing has 21.4 million views and has increased in popularity even in just the past week. They spoke to a creator who goes by L. Gray, or Basic, of course, who pointed to the impact of the economy on consumer spending and the ability, or lack thereof, to buy based on influencer recommendations as one of the reasons why de-influencing is becoming so popular. L says... In the last 12 months, we've seen an extreme slowdown in the global economy. As we enter into a recession, people are starting to feel the effects and are taking a closer look at their spending and consumption. Many people have gotten fed up with the constant barrage of microtrends and must-have items, especially as they take a closer look at their bank accounts. And so, you know, I think that this creator is probably on to something that, you know, we started this conversation today talking about the things that we, and again, myself, very guilty of this, uh, over-consumed online in 2020, I think that de-influencing is a response to some of these over-consumption habits that a lot of us just sort of picked up during the pandemic in 2020 and like just kept having in our life. And now we're like, wait a minute, is this actually a good idea? Is it actually good that I, you know, will just click buy now and get something without really thinking about if I need it, if I want it? Like, is it something I, I, I actually truly need? Probably not. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over 6 million active hourly workers. Snag a job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store, clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah. Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. 
Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. I will say, I feel like, and maybe it's just the side of TikTok I'm on because we know it is very curated. These de-influencers who are trying to help you save money and tell you what it is and tell you what's working, what's not working, is almost a way of women supporting women or, you know, the marginalized supporting mm-hmm. the marginalized. Be like, you're the one. I know this is aimed towards you. Typically women are typically, you know, those who are in uh, like really harsh places. So I'm going to help you and tell you not to do this. And on top of that, the same conversation about the Gen Zers, again, I'm still in awe of them, is that they are all about calling out the BS. So when they see an influencer saying this is amazing, and then they start realizing this person is all about the money, this person is not genuinely doing things, kind of like the mascara, we're going to call you out and tell you don't do this, again, as a way to protect other consumers slash other women. I love how you put that. I absolutely have seen a million times that women and other marginalized people telling each other the truth and leveling with each other and breaking down for each other That is more powerful than a million-dollar PR ad campaign, than a million well-paid, like, you know, PR agents working overtime. Nothing is more powerful than women sharing their truths with each other. And that can, like, yeah, it doesn't doesn't matter what, like, expensive marketing firm that that you've contracted. Women sharing each other's truths with each other will always be more powerful. Absolutely. Yeah, and I find it interesting because it's those kind of like that same girl I was talking about who was saying, don't buy this, and she's now gone viral. Being honest, being truthful, and trying to protect others has really built her audience, and she's become Mm -hmm. an influencer slash de-influencer and is now getting credibility and may be able to go viral enough to like start having her own uh, outlets, whether it is, who knows? I know several people from TikTok, as well as YouTube, but that's the whole thing, have shows, get shows, get brand deals, or get specific deals that are genuinely good because they are honest and it's building them up. So it's interesting to see how this, the opposite of that, has grown them. Does that make sense? <laughs> it makes so much sense. And I've been, I, I think it's, I, I think it marks a shift. And I think it's good. I think that like we should question why the powers that be are so quick to reward people who make their entire thing about stuff that you should buy over consumption. We could be instead building up honest platforms and platforms that say like, well, you really aren't going to use this or you really don't need this. Like, I love watching on TikTok people who do closet cleanouts and they're like, these are the top five things I, I like remove from people's closets or like the top 10 things people don't actually wear because it might actually help create that shift of being a little bit more in-tuned and intentional about what you buy. And I think that's really important. I mean, like, it has so many implications, not, you know, not, not the least of which is the environmental impact of, like, you know, I had a little bit of a, of a fast fashion thing myself. Like, I would buy from this brand, Shein, is it Shein? Where, you know, it's like, it's so, it's so cheap. And it, like, it, look, it looks like the fancier stuff, but it's so cheap. Then it's like, well, you're like, actually... It is one of the biggest offenders of fast fashion that ends up, you know, polluting our world. And it's like, I don't want to be, I don't, I don't want, like, I don't want my unexamined emotional need to translate to a worst world for the next generation to come. And so I really kind of saw the, like, need for me to do a little bit of thinking and unpacking and intention around my own consumption habits and what I was trying to fill by buying things and the longer-term consequences for generations to come. I know that sounds like a lot, but, like, you got to start somewhere. 
Right. No, it is absolutely goes hand in hand again with the uh, new creators that the people who are getting big on TikTok are those who are like, hey, you're doing these things and it could be... Of course, this is a whole different conversation about diagnosing and and assuming everybody's one thing or another, but it does call call out to be like, hey, you have this reaction, which could be costing you money, costing you time because of a trauma. So you're focusing on the wrong thing. Like, I do love seeing them correlate actual action to internalized trauma or uh, maybe reasoning, however you want to say it. But it is encouraging to see that there's more correlations that these influencers slash TikTok people are talking about out loud. So you start considering the actual basis of trying consuming too much or consuming way too uh, fast or not thinking about it. It's both encouraging and kind of scary to see how quickly this could flip because we really did go from a generation of we have to be perfect, we have to look perfect, we have to be the Kardashians, uh, white girl version. What I mean by that is that skinny, skinny version. You you know. Yes. You know what I'm talking about. Um, to... <laughs> But two, like coming into loving your body, do things that are healthy for you, do things that make you happy, do things that bring you joy, and then going into, and that comes to having peace of mind, and Mm -hmm. this is how you do it. And so it's kind of interesting to see how we flip there, but we are at this cusp of like, it could flip again, and is it going to be healthy or unhealthy? I think, again, TikTok is being, is encouraging to me to see the creators that I'm seeing. That's such a good point. And I think, you know, the bottom line of this is that you cannot consume yourself into feeling like a complete version of yourself, to feeling whole. You know, I talked earlier about how I get really kind of stuck on these, like, people who are full-time creatives or full-time creative professionals and and the way that, that work gets done in their lives and how it looks so good to me. It looks like they're very together, like they've got lists, they look very organized and very cozy and very peaceful. And that clearly that is speaking to some kind of perception that I have internally that I am not enough. There's something I can buy that is going to make me feel enough. I have to just get there through self-work, through growth, through introspection. I... I completely understand the need to like just hit buy now. And like, if I get everything that this woman has in her house, maybe I'll get it, but I won't. You can't consume your way into, I guess, feeling good about what you've got, feeling good about who you are, you know, feeling good at like feeling it like yourself and feeling like that's enough. There's just not a product that's going to do that. It's going to take, it's going to take work. And so I think, you know, that's, it's definitely easier to just buy a thing. And I, boy, do I keep trying. <laughs> <But>. <laughs> I know. I just got some teas that it went viral. We won't talk about that more. Oh, it's, I mean, like, <laughs> this is, I don't want this to sound judgy because, like, who amongst us, right? No, like, no, I right. am, we're all works in progress. But, but if you were interested in trying to unwork, unpack some of this, like de-influence yourself. First, I should say, like, I am not a professional. So if you if you are someone listening and you think that you really might have a true issue with, like, buying things and shopping that you might need to talk to somebody about, you should do that. Talk to a professional if you feel like your issue rises beyond, you know, what we're talking about here. But a couple of tips that might help folks de-influence themselves. Uh, my favorite sleeper tip is that if you have an iPhone, or I think I think it works on Android too, um, using your phone in grayscale. Uh, my phone is in grayscale probably 90% of the time. Um, you can go into your accessibility settings on your iPhone and change the, your, your phone to grayscale. And I have it so that the little button on the side, the power button, if I hit that three times, it flips from grayscale to color. So if somebody sends me a picture where it's like, oh, I need to see this in color to get the context, I can easily, you know, flip it to color, flip it back. When I tell you that it it makes things on your phone look so much less enticing and less appealing, and I can absolutely feel it. When I'm looking at my phone in color, I can feel the little synapses and neurons going off in my brain that tell me, buy this, click that, look at that, read that. And it makes the experience of using social media more boring, but in a good way. I'm just, I feel a lot more in control when all of these bright colors that are literally designed by people who make lots and lots of money to, to like, you know, fire things in your brain and to get you to be as, as, as tuned in and as plugged in as you can. And so I'm, I'm a big fan of, like, trying to, to throw a wrench in this techno-hacking that 
messes with all of our brains. So try to put your phone in grayscale. I love it. Um, Another one is that when you feel that twitch in your brain that says, I need this, don't click buy right away, right? Like ask yourself, does this fill a legitimate need in my life? If you're Samantha's partner, is it just another vessel with which to drink coffee or liquids out of? Do I already have a, a vessel or several vessels that several. meet that need? <laughs> I'm going to throw it out. <laughs> and then, yeah, like, notice your emotions. Like, when you feel influenced, really ask, like, do I feel the need to buy this because it is serving an emotional need or filling an emotional hole that I have? And what's that about? You can really just start small, just asking, huh, Isn't that interesting? Be curious about the emotions that are sparked for you when you're using social media. My therapist always says that judgment and curiosity cannot coexist. And so rather than being like, oh, you just are so bad with money, you just throw money away, you just cannot stop shopping online, that's judgment. And so when you're judging the way that you feel, when you're judging your emotions, you can't be curious about them. Curiosity is how we get to someplace better and like move forward. And then lastly, Learn to love what you already have. You know, I spent so long chasing micro trends and quick hit trends that when I look in my closet, there are things in there that I love that I don't even really know where they are. I don't even have access to them or see them because my closet is so full of like stuff that I bought that I didn't really even really think about. And so it makes it harder for me to love the things that I actually do have that feel good. And so the things that I really do value and like, because there are plenty of things that I bought where I'm like, oh, that was, I do not regret that choice. That was a good buy. It makes it harder to really appreciate the things that are good buys and have them stand out when you just buy so much crap that you don't even really need. Right. Organize because you will find that thing you love that you forgot about for two Shop years. Shop your closet. If you do yeah. that, you're going to go, oh, look at that. Shop your closet. Exactly. Yes. 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 During the pandemic, <laughs> I, I, I remember there were a couple of times where I was like, I really, really want this thing. And then I would look through my closet and I already have that thing. Uh, so. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times it's happened where I'm like, I'm like doing reruns. Like, I, like I'm already in reruns on my closet. Like, what is this? <laughs> and then, like, if you're me anyway, I wear like the same t shirt like for an entire week. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Buying new clothes just to wear your uniform every day. Like, what are we doing? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, thank you as always, Bridget, for bringing this topic uh, to us. Uh, it was very informative for me because I had not heard of this. This is amazing. I love it. I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Where can the good listeners find you? Well, you can always tune into my podcast on this very same network. There are no girls on the internet. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Bridget Marie in DC. I will. Not influence you, Carlos. <laughs> I, I can't promise that I will never, but you know, you know, you know how it is. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> like, we got to eat. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We um, you can follow eat. me on Twitter at Bridget Marie. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yes, go go check those out uh, if you haven't already, listeners. Thank you again, Bridget, for coming. We love having you. Can't wait to have you again. Yes. Yes. Uh, and listeners, if you would like to contact us, you can or email us, Stephanie at momstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast or on Instagram and TikTok. What? At Stuff Mom Never Told You. Thanks as always to our super producer, Christina. Thank you. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff Mom Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. 
Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com.